hauling Just look at the load I'm hauling Hard work, I hit it harder Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer Sun up to sundown Backing up traffic all the way to town Camo hat and a farmer's tan Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you here. On this episode, it's hay season, and we talk with the folks from ACI Distributors and McHale about the latest equipment, as well as things you should think about when you get ready to head out into the field. Then, our pal Colt Barber tells us about his new venture, the American Cowboy Showdown. Finally, we hear the music of one of Texas's brightest stars, Kathy Jewell. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week, it's hay season once again, and boy, do I have some memories of hot, dusty summer afternoons spent getting my arms scratched up and getting dust in places I didn't even know you could get dust. In anticipation of hay season, the National Farm Machinery Show this year, we talked with a few folks involved in selling hay tools to find out about some of the latest out there. Brad Stout, the president, and Mark Jansen, vice president of ACI Distributors based in St. Charles, Missouri, were the first to weigh in. Guys, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So ACI is a distributor that works with about 35 different manufacturers. Uh, It runs the gamut as far as agricultural equipment. But one of the things that we wanted to kind of drill in on here is uh, hay tools. And uh, a big seller for you guys. And, uh, Mark, uh, guys are getting ready to get out into the field to make that first cut of the year. What are some of the things that they should consider uh, before they even uh, venture out into the field? Well, first of all, they need to remember how they ended the season. Um, We get a lot of calls from guys right before they want to bail. They're pulling their baler out of the barn and, oh, my my pickup teeth are broke or something like that. I mean, Plan ahead, a couple weeks ahead, know what you're going to do. I mean, it costs you money. You're laying down a crop and you're getting ready to get your baler out. You need to know. Spend a little time. Go over the machine, check it out, make sure the oils are done, the grease is fixed, your PTO shafts are greased. A lot of guys forget to grease their PTO shafts. Just general maintenance. Uh-huh. You know, and that's just not applicable to the baler. It's your it's your mowing equipment. It's your raking equipment. If you're going to be tedding, you got to look at your tedder, make sure you don't have broken teeth. Really, before you hit the field, save yourself some aggravation and some time and maybe even a crop by double-checking your equipment, making sure it's ready to go, and make those necessary repairs before you get to the point where you're actually laying hay on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and you guys are in more than 20 states across the country, and I would imagine things vary from state to state. Yeah, you know, we're doing business in 21 states. There's always a drought somewhere. There's always a flood somewhere. Hopefully there's conditions right in a lot of areas. So there's a lot of variables. Of course, anytime you're doing hay, weather is the big variable. You know, the amazing thing is, is hay season, you know, you would think it would start in the south and and move its way north. And honestly, with the way a lot of the higher-end producers are going, we got a lot of winter annuals. I mean, here it is mid-February. In certain parts of our territory, we'll start harvesting some wheat and rye here in the south. Hay season will start as early as mid-March. And it's funny, as, you know, as the south gets going, everybody thinks the south would be full-born. Well, it's warm season grasses, so guess what? 
Warm season grasses don't get going until late May or June, so there's there's kind of an earlier round of the winter annuals, the high silage crops, and then honestly, we cover 21 states and everything explodes at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah, with the exception of South Florida, and they do hay in the fall. That's it. Yeah, there, there, there's is a hardy, warm weather grass. It's got to get hot down there before that stuff starts growing. So really, their big hay season is late in the season down there. Uh-huh. Just the opposite of what you would think. Sure. So. I know one of the big issues over the past couple of years in, in some areas has been hay shortage. And uh, how, how are you seeing folks dealing with that, and how has that affected uh, your business? Well, hay shortages can happen anywhere in the country at any time. If you've had a drought, you didn't, you didn't get a lot of hay put up. You know, you have a hard winter and you feed all the hay you had. Then you go into the summer and you don't get good conditions. Now you're in, now you're in a hay shortage problem. You know, you're faced with trucking it in from outside the area or buying older hay that didn't get fed. So now you're a lower quality feed. You know, again. And one thing that comes into play here is, is we're really big in a high moisture hay. Mm-hmm. Okay, so winter annuals come into play. Most everybody gets some kind of winter moisture. So you pretty much with, with wheat, rye, some of these other things, they're planting in winter annuals and they can harvest that crop, put up in high moisture hay very high in protein, great feed content in that plant. And what we found is is high moisture hay versus dry hay. So if we let that stuff mature and go to dry hay, there's been university studies that with high moisture hay, eight pounds of hay of high moisture gets you one pound of gain, 25 pounds of dry hay to get that same one pound of gain. Ultimately, we can put up 33% less crop and still get the same gain we get on our cattle. And then the, the other thing is, is we don't have the waste in that product. Dry hay sits out in the field, at least 10, 20, 30% of that can be just from weather damage from the product. It's wrapped up in a bale. We can actually, it's not a matter of quantity, it's a matter of quality. And a lot of people run out of hay because they're just not putting up a high enough quality crop. Another advantage of high moisture hay is it kind of takes the weather out of play. If you're doing dry matter hay, you got to find a nice five-day stretch where it's not going to rain. Gives you an opportunity to mow it, dry it, bale it up. But with high moisture hay, it's not about the weather; it's about the moisture content in your hay. And if you got a rain coming up, or it's just gotten rained on, but your moisture's right, you go. Yeah. And now you can store it. It stores longer because it's wrapped in plastic. It's ensiled, so now you're not, you know, beholden to the elements deteriorating your dry matter hay. Mm-hmm. What are some of the technological advances that you're seeing out there, new products that are just coming into the market that folks should be maybe considering or taking a look at? I want to give a plug to our Mikhail Baylor here, okay, a little bit. Where we're coming in is we're coming in and we're bringing machinery in that is extremely high quality. And, I mean, we're, we're reducing maintenance on those machines. We've got machinery that's going to last 50, 60,000 bales without any major deal. And that's a game changer for farmers anymore. I mean, you can't afford the downtime. I mean, yes, maybe you can buy a cheaper product up front, but the maintenance and the downtime, what's that worth? I mean, when you're when you're dealing with a product like hay where weather is everything, yeah. you can't afford downtime. So, I mean, we're seeing our deal is most of what we sell is high-quality, top-notch equipment. And, and maintenance, serviceability, being able to keep guys in the field, that's part of what ACI does is we got to have a huge spark supply. We have to have good dealers. I mean, producers need to know that they can keep their equipment in the field running. Mm-hmm. 
you asked about technology. Really, probably some of the best technology advances have been in the wet matter or haylage side of things versus dry matter. You've got different wrapping companies that have come on board, individual wrappers, tube-line wrappers, stuff that uh, helped you put up wet hay that wasn't available 10 years ago. You know, so, moisture meters in the balers, that's something new we came right. out with. That's, that's a huge advantage. You need to know what moisture you're putting your hay up in. So in the, in, the, in the high moisture hay realm, that's where most of the technology's advances have come in the last few years. So if you want to know more about the work that these guys are doing, go to ACIDIST.com. That's for ACIDistributors.com, ACIDIST.com, and go check those out. And Brad, Mark, thank you guys so much for stopping by and taking the time to join us here. You bet. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. And you heard Brad and Mark refer to Baylor manufacturer McHale, so we also wanted to bring in that company's sales manager, John Biggins, and dealer support rep, David O'Toole. Guys, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks, Brent. Good to be here. All right, so uh, it's uh, getting to be hay season here, yep. and uh, a lot uh, a lot of considerations as folks get ready to get out into the field. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to uh, just, uh, John, talk to you a bit about, if you could uh, talk a bit about the history of the company, and then David will uh, launch into you talking a bit about, uh, more about what we should know about McHale here in the States. Okay, that's fine, yeah. Well, the, the, the McHale company, it's a, for a start, it's a, it's a family-driven company. Um, two brothers that started the place. Um, still very much in touch with uh, the company today and involved in the daily management of it. Um, we're heavily concentrated on the forage area and the haying area, as you said. So we're on with wrappers, balers, mowers, uh, rakes, all that kind of equipment, bale shredders. Um, and we've been kind of developing that, le- that line for the last uh, 20 years, uh, 20, well, actually 30 years in total probably. Um, we've been working in the States since the early 90s where we started selling wrappers. Um, uh, we've probably become more on the radar in the last five or six years with the uh, round baler range, the variable chamber baler, which was in a recent addition to the McKay line. Uh, we started uh, kind of selling those products in the States uh, about five years ago. Um, so, you know, we're, we're bringing on a very high quality, high level baler. Um, in, some of it is a little bit new in the state, so you know it's got a chopping ability, so we can you know chop bales to make them easier to feed out or put through your uh, feeder wagons or your mixer wagons. Um, so you know it's a top-end product. Uh, it's very high in uh, let's say capacity. Um, your baling speed, uh, the bale weights we can achieve um, have all been quite quite strong and quite decent. Um, been working together with our distributors there, ACI, Cummins Bricker. Uh, Show Me Short, Line Edney Distribution, all these companies are, have, have been with us for the last, uh, some have been with us for probably since the, since the late 90s, but uh, others maybe five or six years pushing this baler range for us quite heavily. So, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into the American way, uh-huh. getting into the American thing. So, David, uh, uh, I would imagine that uh, some of what you guys experience in Ireland is different than the conditions that you guys experience here with the folks you work with in the States. And part of uh, your job is to to help the folks here uh, and develop a better product that will uh, uh, will be exactly what what, uh, your customers need here. Yes, exactly. Um, McHale's sent me out, uh, sent me out over here first about two and a half years ago, the start of the season. Um, my job primarily is to, our first priority is the, is the end user, the customer. He's obviously the number one. 
but mostly I'm out here to improve the dealerships, um, help out the importers as much as they possibly can. Um, yes, you're right, the conditions are very different compared to Europe over here. Um, the crop types, the, the amount of different crops that these machines are actually being used to put through, um, that seems to be the biggest difference from Europe, where Europe it's mainly um, grassland, um, say ryegrass, um, and straw would be the main uses we'd have for the variable chamber. Um, we have come on to, we have tried our best to develop the machine as best as we possibly can for the job it's meant for, but over here with the conditions we've seen, we have seen different, I won't say problems, but just differences in crops and running conditions and that. And the reason, main reason I'm over here is to um, try my best to, our best to develop these problems out of the machines. Mm. And we can, uh, whatever is needed for the American market, we can um, achieve that and have the best product we can over here for the dealers, for the end users, and bring our name up to be one of the better known brands over here eventually. Mm -hmm. So then you take that feedback from farmers, from, from dealers, from wholesalers, and then uh, take it back to, to the folks to uh, just, just continue to uh, tweak and evolve. Yes, exactly. Um, we do have a very good product. I'm proud to say that. I'm very proud to be working for this company. But we always want to try and be better. Mm -hmm. Small little problems might only have one or two, but we don't want to have them. Every time that I come back from the States, we sit down with my, the bosses at home, with their R&D team, and any problems that we've seen, we try our best to fix them, sort them, to make sure that we'll never have these problems again. What's your favorite part of working in this market? Um, to be honest, I've always loved working with farm machinery from at home, but by far and away, the best part of working, especially over here in America, is the people you meet. I've worked with absolutely amazing people from all over the States. Uh, in the last two years or so, I've been in about 40 different states, and every single state has something amazing about it. The people, the crops, the land, um, the experiences that you have over here, it's something that you don't get from any other type of job around the world. Uh -huh. In agriculture, it's just a big, it seems to be a bigger family oriented um, aspect more than anything else. Uh -huh. So, uh, John, from your standpoint, what sets your round balers apart from others in the industry? We've probably aimed at the, at the quality level quite heavily. Um, you know, we, we've, we've had very respectful and big competition all over the world from, you know, very big brands. I don't need to mention their names, but we've picked a niche, and the niche is up at the top end of it. Um, we've been lucky. I think farmers are getting more professional. They want to buy more professional tools. Um, there's less and less farmers. The equipment that they buy is expected to do more and more work. So, like, we, we're fitting into that box very tightly. Um, and like you can run our balers probably longer than some of our competition. You know, the bale numbers you can achieve are, are, are much higher. Um, our running costs are very low, simply because we put, you know, a very heavy emphasis on quality at the beginning. If you want to buy the, probably the cheapest baler in the country, we're not the, we're not the company. But if you want to buy something, we'd say, on a cost of ownership basis, and I don't want to get too markety about it, you know, look at a Mikhail baler, talk to the, you know, ACI or Cummins or whoever is there, show me, and, and they'll show you, you know, what we've achieved in the last five years in American conditions. And I think it'll be very interesting for people to look at that. Um, you know, the initial cost is one thing. The actual cost over five years is a whole different thing. And in Europe, your bale numbers are much higher. Uh, your crops are much, much wetter. So the product has to be tougher. 
in some aspects, I know Dave went through it, we, we're all the time adjusting to suit American conditions, but a lot of American conditions are dry. And to a degree, that's simpler. In Europe, you've got much wetter conditions. You know, you have bales with the water physically running out of them when you're, when you're packing that bale. The kind of uh, machine you need to survive in that environment is quite tough. That's where we were bred from. That's the original Mikhail as such. So like we, that's what we had to start with. So now we've brought that, we'd say, technology to the US. We need to tweak it a bit to make sure everything is 100%. That's Dave's job. He's here to kind of sort that out and give the proper feedback that back to the factory. So, you know, but, but the actual initial breeding of the baler is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. So like that's, that's where we're at. So David, uh, we're in many areas of the country, we're, we're just getting ready to, uh, to get into another hay season. Before folks start to get out in the fields, uh, what are some of the things that they should be considering? Well, obviously, like any other machine, um, maintenance is obviously the most important. Make sure to go over the machine. Make sure you have, don't have no breakdowns. Because obviously downtime is the one thing that we don't need in this game. Um, but on our standpoint, um, after this show, and that we're actually going around traveling to the different importers, where we're actually going through training schools to bring the dealerships uh, and the importers up to speed on either the latest uh, updates or different um, parts of our software that we've changed or something, um, different aspects in the machine, get them up to date on how, how they work, um, try to train them a bit better with the new dealers that we've taken on. Uh, we try to get them up to speed on how the machine works, how to train them so that the end user will have at the least downtime as possible. And they always have someone proper who knows the machines, who is very informative that they can talk to if they do have any questions or problems with the machines to get them going again as soon as possible. Uh-huh. How often do you get to get out in the fields and interface with the customer? Um, I do it all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, every time that uh, summer comes around, it's obviously my biggest part, my biggest time of the year. Uh-huh. Um, hardly ever have a day to myself. <laughs> but um, my main job is to be out in the field, talk to the customers, do the demos, um, even just meeting customers who previously bought machines. They mightn't have any contact around them, but just to make come back to them, make sure everything's going okay, make sure they're happy with the product. Um, if they had any more questions or any different features they wanted to go through in the machines, that's what I'm there for. But every day during the summer months, I'm in the field working with the machines, with the farmers, with the importers. What are some of the common questions you get from them or what are some of the common concerns that they come to you with? Um, Common questions would obviously be, what's the difference between this machine and every other baler that we work with? Um, Questions really, it'd be more getting them back into the loop on it's a tougher, it makes a better bale, it's a higher quality baler, uh, it's a higher capacity baler. So people do every now and again, especially newer customers from the end of the previous season, would like to have that run over back over the machine again. But the biggest thing that we've been asked, especially with all the advertising and social media, is how can we get the machines to take crops so quick, so well, and still last a hell of a lot longer than a lot of our competition. And that's straight down to build quality. As John said, we have a lot wetter conditions, heavier conditions over in Europe, so the baler has to be able to take them conditions. And over here, some manufacturers obviously haven't taken that into consideration from what I can see. Where McHale have, they've pushed on it. It's where the baler was built around. So that's why we can push harder, push longer, get for, for heavier bales, bigger bale counts. And that's really what's exploded the market over here of how well the machine can take 
the hard abuse, as hard of abuse as you can give it, really, to be honest. <laughs> well, folks are hearing this, and they have had their uh, interest peaked. Where can they go to learn more about them? Well, you've got uh, the range of distributors that we have here. You know, you've got ACI, Cummins & Bricker, uh, Edney, uh, Show Me Shortline. Uh, all those guys, uh, they're our main distributors, okay? So they've got a full network of dealers. So if you contact any of those people, their details are on you know, their own websites or our website, mikhail.net. Um, you can trace it down through that. Um, we've got, a, you know, I think one of your questions there, like we're, we're not in, just interested here in selling machines. We want to back the machines up. If we've got a customer that's, in, you know, invests in a, in a new product, Dave said there, he's here to, to support them. Uh, we've got a good uh, range of spare parts. Dave is spending the next two weeks with our main service uh, manager from Ireland going around training the different dealers. You know, we, we want to back the product up as well as sell the product. Um, one question that, that you asked, Dave, there, I'd say that comes up a lot is, you know, where is the support for this product? You know, the support for this product is within America. It's through our distributors and through what David is doing there, training the dealers up on how to fix things, getting the spare parts stock here. You know, um, we can get parts from Ireland to the U.S. like inside two or three days, but we're not even interested in that. We want the physical parts here and they are here. The likes of Mark there in the background who's here with SCI, you know, they have you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars in stock in parts to cover, you know, the south, what is it, the south, uh, east of the country. And we have the same with Cummins and Bricker further north, and we have the same with Chris Finkin and Chomi Shoreline, and the same with Edney above in Minnesota and that area. So, like, we, we have, uh, we're, we're here for the long haul. We're not here for kind of just to sell a few machines and, and, and disappear into the mist. We, we want the products to be successful like they are in Europe, you know. Any customer that invests in a Mikhail product is very welcomed. If he's in Ireland or in Europe, come and visit the factory. See the way the stuff is put together and, and like, you know, the doors are open to do that. And that's awesome. And if, if you're listening here in the States and you can't get there, make sure you go to www.mikhail.net and browse around there, check out that product lineup, and then uh, investigate your, your, your nearest uh, distributor and dealer and check them out. But, uh, John, David, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to join us here on the show. Thank you very much, Brent. It was a pleasure. Thank you. It was very good to be here. Well, it's an honor for me to bring back to the program a guy we haven't had a chance to talk to in a while because he's been so busy putting pieces of the puzzle together. It's our buddy Colt Barber. We haven't been out back of the barn for a while. Colt, welcome back to the show, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Mr. Adams, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on the show. When I tell you, Colt has been working on something really special here that we want to kind of roll out uh, and let you know about. He has teamed up with Rockin' K Rodeo to introduce the American Cowboy Showdown, which is going to include live entertainment and a rodeo and community-oriented action that everybody can get behind here. And, and first of all, congratulations on getting this together. I think is really what everybody needs in a time like this when everybody has just been holed up for months and just anxious to get out and, and start getting back to life again. Absolutely. We are, we are so excited to... Uh to be able to, to bring this to the American public and you know we're just we're just trying to do something that would uh, would raise the spirit um, of America we thought we're all going through and have been going through quite a bit in this crazy world and um, we're excited about the uh, rodeo and the concert it's going to be a blast uh, we are we have been doing a lot of work over the last few months and I'm just excited that it's you know there's a lot of rodeos being canceled uh, due to different situations this year and uh, we are able to continue this, and we're real excited 
to be able to offer you know good entertainment in a uh, in a safe environment. Uh, you know we're we're monitoring all the government regulations at each of the venues and and, and they're excited that you know we're complying with things and and they really are with open arms just welcoming us to to the to do the shows. So it's going to be a really really great time for uh, IPRA sanctioned Rustock Challenge and then some good old country music. Yeah, the International Professional Rodeo Association is definitely no slouch, and uh, your partnership with, with them and with Tony Keaton and, and Rock and K Rodeo uh, r- really uh, ensures that this is going to be top-notch competition. Yeah, we uh, actually, uh, every day this week, we, uh, we have been getting calls uh, into the office. Uh, we've got uh, the top cowboys and cowgirls uh, coming to compete, uh, both former world champions, reigning world champions, uh, it's really getting excited, Brent, uh, about this because, you know, a lot of the guys uh, would be rodeoing every week. This is their livelihood. And uh, with everything canceled, these guys are ready. They're ready to get on some bulls and get on some horses. And, and uh, we are we are ready to do that. And the venues are, are chomping at the bit. The people in the community are, 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 you know, sending us messages. And they're so excited and they're ready. And uh, we are looking for a packed house. Uh, on our first event, which is June the 13th, Saturday night in Shebbyville, Tennessee, at CalSonic Arena. And uh, if you've ever been there, it's a great facility. They hold a lot of events there uh, related to agriculture and cowboy in the horse world. And uh, we're honored to that to be the kickoff of the American Cowboy Showdown on June 13th. And, and we're ready to go. And then once that kicks off there, June 13th, boy, the schedule gets uh, pretty pretty busy for you. You go from there to Decatur, Alabama, and then on to Honewall, Tennessee, Pensacola, Florida, yep. and then on to Minnesota for the Farm Fest. Yeah, we're uh, all over, man. And, and just, you know, as, as we find out that states are opening up and uh, are allowing things to happen, then we're, we're plugging them in the schedule. And uh, just really honored for everybody. There are so many people working on the uh, on my tour and the American Cowboy Showdown, uh, you know everybody in the, in my management office, PR office, uh, all the girls that, that do just an amazing amazing job, the folks at Rock and K, the folks at IPRA, uh, it's it's really really uh, exciting this year, and, and we're just looking for great things. Um, Going to be some some uh, TV cameras there June 13th, and uh, for a big surprise that you'll be hearing about soon. And uh, so we just invite everybody if you're around. Uh, that area, if you know anybody in that area, or, you know, if it ain't too far, jump in the truck and drive on down for the big kickoff that night. It's going to be a show like you've never seen before. And looking at the schedule here, you guys are going uh, clear out to Montana and clear down to Mississippi and uh, uh, North yeah. Dakota and Alabama and Kentucky and Georgia and Texas and Nebraska. You're hitting a large majority right. of the country here this year. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're again, very, very thankful um, to, to be able to get out. And uh, we're looking forward to meeting, you know, all of our fans that we've met before, seeing them again. And we're looking to uh, to meet new fans and uh, just really thankful to be able to, to the good Lord, to be able to, you know, play uh, country music that we love. And, and Brent, you know, we like we like the uh, the traditional stuff mixed with a little Southern rock attitude. And it's a uh, it's just a good, uh, good time for all and uh, young and old, all of our shows. And uh, we've got some new stuff packed into our shows this year. Uh, that we're excited about in the production side and the music side, um, and and like I said, it's going to be it's going to be a great night from the start to the finish. It's going to be nonstop action. Uh, we've got uh, great people working and the pickup men and and the judges and the clown and the bullfighters. Uh, 
what a what an awesome team has been put together, and we're real excited to put the show on for everybody. Well, and I can wholeheartedly endorse the fact that uh, uh, you know how to uh, work a rodeo crowd too, because they absolutely love the music of Colt Barber. Well, thank you, buddy. We we love our fans, that's for sure, and we love when they're singing our songs and they're they're up and they're dancing with us, and everybody comes by the you know the product table afterwards, and we just have a time of getting to know each other, meeting and greeting, and, and it's just a real big family. My band, they are ready. Uh, they are pumped. We, we've been, you know, shut down this whole year uh, due to the virus, and so this there's a lot of pinned-up energy, uh, and everybody's ready to, to get out and do what we do and do what we love. Well, I want to get back to this uh, matter of, of safety here. Uh, because so much has been made of it in the media about uh, when states and areas are opening back up and events are opening back up. But you guys have gone to great lengths to make sure that uh, folks who walk through the gates there at CalSonic Arena or anywhere else that you do this are are going to be protected. Uh, You've teamed with various sponsors and local youth organizations to provide face masks and hand sanitizer to attendees at the gates and uh, uh, I would imagine proper social distancing is going to be uh, front and center. And, and you guys have really thought through this long and hard to make sure that you're not putting people at risk, but uh, bringing them in to ha- have a good time and not have to worry uh, about some of the dangers. Yeah, we uh, each the team is working with each uh, state that we're going to because as of right now, you know, every state's different in what they're what they're allowing, what they're doing. And uh, we are we are so happy because a lot of the states are going to they have opened up 100 percent complete. We are providing the the mask and the and the, the sanitizer and all of those things the team uh, has talked about for those who want them. Uh, if it's not required and you don't want them, then you know that's that's fine too. But we are taking every precaution uh, you know for that because we want everybody to come out, get out of the house, uh, you know, tired of being cooped up and uh, and come out and enjoy just getting away. And you know sometimes the best the best medicine in our lives is, is just to, to be able to go somewhere and, and be entertained and, and kind of for a moment just let all the problems of the world kind of melt away. And, and that's what we that's what we tend to do is we love to entertain. And uh, Rock and K Radio, they're putting together an amazing uh, rodeo production. Uh, we've been working on this, as I said, for months. Tony and Jamie down at Rock and K and back and forth and ideas. And they've got some of the best folks working with them. And, uh, and I'm excited about, again, about the contestants. We are getting calls from, you know, what I call superstars in the rodeo world. Uh, these are cowboys and cowgirls that uh, their names and, and they're, they're, they're champions. And uh, they're coming to these events. They're excited about it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, competitiveness going on right now with the guys all talking back. And we love that. We love hearing them, you know, talking about how they're going to outride each other. and They're going to beat each other. And, and uh, it's just going to be an electrifying night, full of energy, full of excitement, uh, full of rodeo action, and then we're just going to, you know, cut loose in the band and, and just, just have some, some great music, and we just want everybody to come and, and bring your family, bring your friends, uh, call people, tell them about it. You know, you can follow us on social media, uh, on, on uh, all the Instagram and Facebook. Uh, that's Colt with a K, Colt Barber. Uh, you can go to our website, coltbarber.com. You can see the date uh, that we're going to be closed. 
and uh, we're just ready to kick this thing off, brother. We're, we're, we're really excited. Well, again, the American Cowboy Showdown 2020 is going to kick off Saturday, June 13th at the CalSonic Arena in Shelbyville, Tennessee. And, uh, Colt, man, we wish you the best of luck with it. And I hope you'll come back on here throughout this uh, season here and, and uh, check in with us periodically so we can find out how things are doing. You you can bet that we will. And as I was telling you earlier, man, we, uh, we're going to get – we're going to get you and your show out to, to one of these events. We're going to do a live show. Uh, you broadcast live, and we'll take it right to the people. So we're going to work on getting that set up. And, uh, Brent, we just thank you for, for keeping country music alive and the ag community alive. And uh, we're real excited uh, for this for this summer, and we're, we're hoping good things for you and your show. Well, I tell you what, I sure appreciate it, man. And I, I love what you guys are doing, and I always love spending time with you and uh, – uh, you, you're a family on this show, so anytime you want to be on here, it's it's all yours. So, again, man, we wish you the best of luck, and we'll catch you on down the road. Sounds good. God bless you, buddy, and your show, and all your listeners. God bless you, my friend, and we'll talk to you later. All righty. That was Colt Barber. And now to get everybody fired up for Colt Barber's American Cowboys Showdown, it's a little Colt Barber music. This is Twang on Fast Line Fast Track. He's up on the 18th floor He ain't never been inside a honky-tonk before His artists are like puppets on the end of a string He tells them where to go, how to dress and what to sing They're chasing fads and fashion off an L.A. magazine And they ain't got a clue what it's like to be country I ain't a rap And I ain't pop I'm stone country In southern rock I got some twang When I sing Everybody loves When I do my thing Junior Cash, Haggard, and Jones. They wasn't trying to be somebody's rolling stone. Talk about an outlaw, and they wrote the book. Nobody told them what to sing or how to look. They always kept the country when they played sing. And just like them, I'm gonna always. Bring on the twang, I ain't a rap, and I ain't pop. I'm stone country in southern rock. I got some twang when I sing. Everybody loves when I do my thing. Nashville, then they go and change 
and I sure ain't pop. I'm stone country and southern rock. I got some playing when I sing. Everybody loves when I do my thing. Everybody loves when I do my thing. Oh, I'm talking about twang. And now you know how we love the traditional country music here on Fast Line Fast Track, and it's my pleasure this week to bring in an artist who really has her finger on the pulse of the good stuff. Kathy Jewell's song, Please Blue Moon, written by iconic country music figure Bill Mack, has been nominated for Pure Country Song of the Year by the Academy of Western Artists. Kathy also is the CMA of Texas Artist of the Year Award winner. And like many of the artists who've appeared on the show, she's appeared on the Penny Gilly Show on RFD-TV, and has had the pleasure of opening for country music stars such is Bill Anderson, T.G. Shepard, Don Williams, Kathy Matea, and Dina Carter, to name a few. In addition to her performing career, she also has provided exposure to countless artists as owner of KSSL-FM in Slayton, Texas, just outside of Lubbock. And Kathy, welcome in to Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you so much. Well, it's exciting to have you here. You're somebody I've had on my radar for a long time here and uh, love what you're doing and uh, not, not just in your own career but uh, opening up so many doors for, for so many people it's got to be a thrill uh, just to have music be such a big part of your life oh most definitely you know I've been in the radio business all my life pretty much and uh, I've just soaked in every note of all these wonderful artists that we play well I tell you what take us back a little bit because I know your parents Jim and Mona Bowles uh, have been in the radio business in New Mexico and Texas and uh, I'm guessing you have just uh, gr- grown up uh, with this about as long as you've been cognizant of it, huh? <laughs> yes, definitely so. In fact, we were talking about this the other day, my dad and I, and he actually bought the radio station in Post, Texas when I was not even two years old. <laughs> and so that was his first radio station. He was 21 years old when he bought it. So he was just a young man, and, you know, he was able to purchase it um because it was it was in trouble, I think. And so he got a good deal on it, and he did very, very well with it and actually had it until I graduated from high school. And then when I graduated from high school, he bought the one in Portales, New Mexico. It was what they call dark, which, is, which means that it was off the air. And once again, he got a really good price on it, put it back on the air, found some call letters he had always wanted to use, and got the station going. And I continued to work for my dad as I went to college in Portales at his radio station there and then he sold that radio station kind of got out of the business for a little bit and actually my mom and him decided they wanted to buy the hotel turkey bed and breakfast in Turkey Texas home of Bob Wills and so they had that for five years and then they got back in the radio business and bought the one in Childers Texas and now my brother owns that one. When did uh, KSSL come about for you? And that station we've had it July will be nine years and my dad was actually my partner until about couple years ago he decided it was time for him to retire and go take care of his cattle he bought a beautiful ranch in new mexico i mean oklahoma excuse me and uh so he spends a lot of time there and uh he's not in the radio business anymore actually he kind of is because i still get him to do commercials for me 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, so tell and my me. mother helped too. So, and I understand she used to be a a news director. Is that right? Yes, and she is very well loved. Everybody loves Miss Mona. They call her Miss Mona when they call in, and uh, she actually still helps my brother a little bit with a program that he does called Tradio. You know, people call in and buy, sell, and uh, give away stuff, and, and she helps to host that even today. I love it. And if you've never been in, uh, at a radio station where they have Tradio, uh, go, go look it up. It's it's a lot of fun to listen to. You you get uh, quite, quite a variety, and uh, here's some of the spice of life there. <laughs> You definitely do, no doubt about that. <laughs> I love it. So what are some of your earliest memories of music in your life? Well, my dad would, um, he always bought us the 45s. I'm telling my age right now because, of course, vinyl is coming back, and I'm so glad to see that. But uh, that's what I grew up on was the 8-tracks and the cassettes and the vinyl. And so when my sister and I were little girls, he would just bring us the extra vinyl records that he had, and we had a little Fisher-Price turntable that we got from Santa Claus, and we would just uh, be up in the attic in our room up there, and we'd just be listening to music and pretending like we were DJs, and we used to call the radio station and, and drive the DJs crazy requesting all those old songs that we loved. And uh, <laughs> so I guess that's my earliest memory is just we couldn't go into any room of our home without a radio being on because they were always monitoring it, and this was back when it was just an AM, and so we uh, signed off at I think it was six o'clock when the sun went down we signed off and then we came back on the air at 6 a.m. the next morning uh, sounds like you and I have traveled about the same path there I love that <laughs> so you can relate definitely yes, mo most definitely so who were some of the artists that you remember listening to back in those early days well definitely Patsy Klein. I absolutely just loved her music still do she just had such a delivery and such a soothing voice and uh, she just knew how to sell a song Tanya Tucker I love Tanya Tucker also Loved Merle Haggard and uh, Johnny Cash. I was a real big fan of Loretta Lynn and her sister Crystal. So um, just all that old stuff. And when I was 13, I got to have my own radio show and uh, really enjoyed getting to, to play the songs I wanted back before. We didn't have a, a set list of anything. My dad just told us to go in there. And, uh, you know, of course, we had a system, but we still could play basically what we wanted as long as we stayed within format. So when, when that happened, do you remember going on that air the first time? Did you have butterflies or were you too young to know you were supposed to be nervous? Oh, it was awful. In fact, the first day that I went on the air, my dad walked me in there and he said, here's your turntable. Here's the cart machine that you play the commercials off of. Here is the microphone. Here's how you turn it on. Here's how you turn on the uh, turntable. See ya. And he walked out the door, <laughs> literally. And so um, I guess he just had that much belief in me. And I was like, Daddy. <laughs> and by the way, don't leave any dead air. <laughs> yeah, and that too. <laughs> that was a no-no, big time no-no. So I called my sister, who was a year older than me. She had already done an air show, and she knew what was going on. And I made her come down and sit with me. And she did, but I sounded awful. I don't have my air check for my first uh. show, thanks to good Lord, because it was really bad. <laughs> So how did you go from, from listening to, to music to actually performing? I was a very shy child, so it honestly, it took me a while. Now, we would sing in the vehicle, and we'd go down the road. My dad loved to sing, you know, old Bing Crosby songs, and um, so he would sing to us, and then he'd get us to sing along, And but that was just for fun and everything. I never thought about it seriously, even though I always loved to sing from the time I was a little girl, but I was just very bashful. I didn't want to sing in front of anybody, but... I believe it was when I turned 14, I had a 
really good friend that was having trouble at her home, and so she was living with us, and we were in there just kind of playing around and singing along. And she said, you know, you really have a beautiful voice. You ought, you ought to think about singing at church because I, you know, we went to church together and youth and, and things like that. So I said, really, you think so? And she said, yes, I really do. And so that's how it all started, and I finally got enough nerve to sing in church. And my parents were shocked. They didn't know I could sing like that. So... That's how it all started with in church. Isn't it amazing how one comment like that can really just give you the shot of confidence you need to uh, really go for something? Oh, yes. And she's still uh, one of my dear friends today. Um, She still breaks me on and supports me and tells me how proud she is of me. She's just a really sweet friend. So what does it look like as a performer for you actually getting into country music? Because I know a lot of people in that neck of the woods perform country music, but people take it very seriously too. So uh, you'll find out where you stand in a, in a real hurry. <laughs> yes, there's definitely a lot of performers, especially in the Lubbock area. And there always has been. It's just some of the people that have come out of this area. It's pretty crazy. Uh, a lot of people have gone on to have huge careers in music. A lot of them in the country music field. Um, my thing is that I love all kinds of music, but I feel like my voice and my style and what I love the most lends itself most to country music as well as gospel. So that's just what I've always done, and that's what I plan to continue to do. So through, throughout your career, you, you've had a lot of cool milestones and also had a chance to uh, really stand in there with a bunch of legends. Uh, you sang duets with... Uh, David Frizzell and Linda Davis and, and Johnny Lee and had had the opportunity to open up for uh, a bunch of legendary artists. What has that experience been like? That was a dream come true because, you know, it's just one of those things that you never, you always dream about it, but you you just don't really think, I guess you don't really think it'll ever happen for sure. But uh, these are just, I, I'm a full, uh, firm believer in having affirmations and, you know, writing down your goals. And so I've really started doing that the past several years. And I think that that's been part of the success is that you start writing them down as if they have already happened. And then you start really believing them. And so all of a sudden, those doors start opening and those opportunities start happening. And it's just kind of amazing, you know, but at the same time, uh, I always give all the credit to God because I believe that you know, he gives me the desires of my heart, and that was one of the things I always wanted to happen. And those things have happened for me, and I'm very thankful for that. No question. And not only have they happened, but uh, you've re- received some big accolades for that. And, and again, that doesn't happen, uh, you, you know, for just anybody. So so this music has been well-received. And uh, what what has that been like for you to, to actually be recognized for the work you're doing? You know, once again, my goal when I started singing and especially writing my own songs was to try to somehow make a difference in the world through my music. And whether it was maybe making someone aware that they needed to tell somebody they love that person or maybe they needed to, uh, maybe they just needed to smile, you know, or they just needed uh, a pick-me-up or they just, you know, I don't know. I just feel like music gives somebody so many different emotions depending on the song and the content but uh it's it's definitely been something that is just kind of icing on the cake because when people tell me that my music has made a difference in their life that's the number one thing but then when you get recognized with some of these organizations then that's just a, a double blessing in your mind what makes a good song well it depends on the song but like if it's an upbeat song it needs to have a hook that's catchy all I can say is I hope it's going to be a really good one because I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah. 
and it's just like stuck in there. And I'll like last night, I think it was four o'clock in the morning. I started hearing it in my head and I could not go back to sleep. And so I told God, I said, and it's a song about the Lord. So, cause I'm doing a gospel CD right now, but I just told him, I said, well, I guess, you know, hopefully you're blessing this song. And he always brings me my songs. I feel like, but, uh, I just feel like a song needs to be conveyed in a way that reaches the masses and that, a lot of people can relate with. I think that it needs to be a song that makes a difference worldwide. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of irons in the fire right now. When do you find time to write, and what does your writing process look like? I wish I had more time to write, I will say that, because I love to write, and you are correct. I I do have a lot of things going on. Um, I would say that, like, for instance, with my gospel CD, it took me five years to write my last, or to get ready for to release my last CD to please Blue Moon, five years. That's a long time. So I decided on this next CD, the gospel CD, I was giving myself one year. And um, I started on it at the end of last year, and I'm already up to nine songs on it right now. So I think I'm going to reach my goal, which was to have it released by December of this year. Uh, I think that I just have to really concentrate and, and take time to do it. I have to make time to do it, basically. I have to say, okay, this is how much time I'm going to spend on this today. And I'm not going to be distracted and I have to, you know, and then the other thing is, is that when a song or idea comes to you or a melody, you have to take the opportunity at that very moment to make sure that you capture that. Otherwise, you'll lose it. So what haven't you accomplished yet that is uh, still on your, your list of goals? Well, one thing I want to do is sing on the Grand Ole Opry. I have not gotten to do that. I also would like to see my songs, some of my songs featured in movies. And I would like to have a major recording artist take my song and, and uh, you know, do something with it. Excellent. Well, I hope anybody who's listening that can make any of those uh, things happen uh, will, will definitely reach out to you because this this music is top-notch. I wholeheartedly believe in it, love listening to it. What is on the horizon for you? Well, thank you, first of all, Brent, for saying that. Thank you for having me on your show. You do an incredible job, and I'm just honored to be on your program with you. And I think I need to interview you next because I, I think I would find you fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but what's on the horizon for me? Well, I, as I've said, my gospel CD, and I want to do more uh, motivational type ministry with my gospel CD. So I'd like to do more churches and things like that to promote that and, to, and just to give God all the glory because I really feel like that I've got some good songs on my gospel CD. So that's something that I'm thinking about. And then with this COVID-19, it's been a downer in the way that, well, several ways, but with our artists, it's been really hard on a lot of artists, especially the ones that that's their main income. And uh, so I just feel like that uh, I'm hoping that things kind of loosen up so that we can all get back out and do what we love and entertain. One thing that I do that, that I feel like makes a difference that I really enjoy doing is I... Uh, had three nursing homes that I would perform in on a monthly basis, but I haven't been able to do that because of the COVID-19. And I'm hoping and praying that eventually we'll be able to do that again, because that is something that means a lot to those people. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, also you're the uh, MC of the legendary coyote store there in Gale, Texas, and uh, have done stuff there at the uh, Cactus Theater in Lubbock. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody from, uh, uh, from, from New York to California here has been shut down because of this. And I know it has been hard on artists and, uh, you yourself have lost a lot of gigs because of it. Yes, I have. And I'm very thankful that, uh, it's, 
I've still been able to pay my bills and take care of things and that my radio station has held its own during all this. And I just want to thank my listeners and my advertisers who have stuck by my side and have uh, continued to give us the opportunity to service their needs. Uh, that's a big blessing for me. So I've been okay, but I know there's people out there that, that have really struggled. So uh, my prayer is that all of us uh, can get back out there and do what we love, which is music. Well, I tell you what, I, I sure hope that's true. And I, I hope that uh, anybody who is in the Lubbock area and has a chance to uh, go check out Kathy will we'll definitely do so. And uh, if they can't uh, and they want to know more about how to uh, hear your music or find out where you're going to be, where can they go? Okay, yes. I have a Reverb Nation page, and it's Reverb Nation forward slash Kathy Jewell. Uh, that's one of my sites. I believe that's probably the main one where I would have people go. And that's Jewel with two L's. Make sure you, uh, Thank you. get that second L <laughs> in there so you get to the right place. But, uh, Kathy, we really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And we're going to let uh, folks listen to some of this music here and uh, and experience it for themselves. But uh, thank you, and you're welcome back here anytime. Thank you so much, Brent. God bless you and your listeners. And uh, thank you all so much for taking time to listen to my music. And thank you, Brent, for playing it. Yeah, you're quite welcome. Again, that is Kathy Jewell. And we're going to let you listen to some of her music right now.
That was the title track of Kathy Jewell's most recent project, Please Blue Moon, from the pen of country music legend Bill Mack. And that leads us into another song from the same album. This is The Maybe Kind. And now we're going to close out our time with Kathy Jewell with another cut from the Please Blue Moon Project. This is Redneck Daddy. Take me to town 
Yeah, he's my redneck daddy, and he's so happy with his long neck beard. He loves his armadillo chili and his songs by Willie and holding me near. He loves to roping, and I'm just hoping he'll always be my redneck man. Cause he's my redneck daddy, and I'm so glad he loves me every way he While the band is picking to the cotton eyed Joe. With his long legs are shaking, there ain't no faking. He's my belly rubbing man. Yeah, he's my redneck daddy, and I'm so glad. He loves me every way he can. And those were the sounds of our friend Kathy Jewell. Be sure to check her out at ReverbNation.com forward slash Kathy Jewell with two L's. You can also find her on Facebook at at Kathy Jewell Music. And if you want to hear Kathy's full Please Blue Moon album and purchase a copy of it for yourself, head on over to Kathy Jewell dot here now dot com that's h-e-a-r-n-o-w dot com as always we want to thank our friends at the Ernest Tubb Record Shop 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville Tennessee for making that performance possible they plan to reopen June 15th and we hope you'll go and support them they have a great selection of traditional country music on CD and vinyl and a huge selection of really cool merchandise you can check them out at etrecordshop.com and while you're searching the internet in your downtime head on over to fastline.com check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the iron average powered by iron solutions and while you're on the website don't forget to sign up to receive the print catalog for your state or region even through this pandemic the fastline catalog is still being delivered to your mailbox and if you haven't already done so please subscribe to the fastline fast track podcast at apple podcasts Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Also, be sure to follow Fastline Fast Track on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and add our Spotify playlist to your library for music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show. Next week, U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue and SVG Ventures CEO John Hartnett talk agriculture innovation, and we hear the latest about how COVID-19 is affecting the agriculture industry. And then we bring you the music of Johnny Cash's oldest grand son thomas gabriel you won't want to miss that until then it's brent adams saying y'all come back
and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com.